Hey, we are in a series called I Feel That, embracing a biblical response to my negative emotions. And we are on the last teaching. This is week um, eight, I believe, in the series. We started with sort of a big overview. You can go back and see some of those teachings. The first one was why we feel what we feel, sort of set the stage to where we're going. And then we sort of addressed one after the other negative emotions. We started with fear and then grief and then shame and guilt, anger, loneliness, insecurity. So if, you, if any of those connect with you, go back and listen to those teachings. Today, we're gonna be talking about a feeling, it's a state really, but but being overwhelmed. I don't know if it's a feeling, the feeling that comes out of that is often fear, but really it's so common, it's so so touted as a feeling that it was worth its own week. And, and for this teaching, I want you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, although God knows that the scriptures are full of possible examples and Bible scriptures that, that we could have used as our sounding board for this topic, but we're gonna land in 2 Corinthians chapter 20, the story of Jehoshaphat. If you have not heard that story before, you're gonna love it. If you know it, I know you cannot wait to get back in it. I'm actually gonna read the entire story here in a minute, and then I'm gonna give you some thoughts. I, I think of being overwhelmed as, as the joy stealer. Anything that causes you to be overwhelmed is a joy stealer. And so if you're lacking in joy today, you might be overwhelmed and you might be looking for, how do I get out of the state of feeling overwhelmed? Purely speaking, I like to sort of start with a definition of what does it mean to be overwhelmed? I looked it up and, and here's what I found on maybe Wikipedia, I don't remember, or dictionary.com. It said, to be overwhelmed is to be overcome by thought or feeling to be submerged by thought or problems to the point of lacking productivity or to the point of feeling paralyzed. Think about that. What is it in your life that makes you feel like you're paralyzed or you cannot produce because you're so overwhelmed by it? Think about that. Some of you, it's right now, you know exactly what that problem is. I can tell you, for me in the past month, it's been the squirrels in my attic. I know it seems so silly, but but we got the squirrel, the mom squirrel out. We had the baby squirrels up there. If you followed me at all, you know that the saga has been ongoing. I've stopped talking about it because it makes everybody sick of hearing about it, but it's a fact. And then I remember uh, last week, the guy came to check the cages for any squirrels being caught. There were supposedly three juveniles. There were no squirrels, but he gave me this wonderful news that now I have mice in my attic. And so we went from the squirrels to the mice. And so today I had the mouse guy up there and I was told about the state of disregard of the attic with burrows of mice. And so I feel overwhelmed by uh, the little mouse in my attic. And it was a big squirrel and now it's a little mouse. And so I don't know what your thing is. And it might be a silly thing like a mouse in the attic. And to me, it didn't feel so silly. Whenever I haven't heard a lot of pitter patter, but once in a blue moon, I think I hear something. There was a storm last night and I couldn't tell if the rain was what I was hearing or if it was a mice. And so now when I wake up in the middle of the night, I have something new to worry about. Maybe for you, it's something small like this, or maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's your job. Many people sent us emails this week they're overwhelmed because they haven't had a job in six months, in a year. They're foreclosing on home. Some big, serious problems. Some of you would think, I wish I had mice in my attic. At least I ha you would have an attic. You might be wishing for that because your problem is so much heavier. Listen, whether small or big, God is in the business of meeting us in our point of need. We're going to see that today. One of my favorite verses is in Psalms 94, verse 19. The psalmist writes, In the multitude of my anxieties, your comforts delight my soul. I have run to that verse time and again. And we're going to see that play out in the life of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And so to be overwhelmed is to be, uh, to be so submerged in thought or feeling to the point of lack of productivity or feeling paralyzed. Also, it's to have a hard time controlling your mind and quieting your mind. I think this is relevant because 
I think sometimes being overwhelmed is just that. You can't step out of your mind long enough to find the quiet that you need in the presence of the Lord. To me, that's the biggest bane of, that's when your joy is stolen. It's not just that you have a problem that you can't deal with. It's that sometimes you're so controlled by that problem that you can't seem to step out of it in order to have a quiet mind, in order to connect with the truth of scripture. And often I find that even this Bible study is God's way of quieting my mind, of taking my attention and of putting my eyes back on the word. And so with that in mind, let's read the story of Jehoshaphat. He found himself in a situation where he was truly overwhelmed. This was a good king of Israel, of Judah, uh, and he came after David and he had a problem. It says, after this, the Moabites, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Moonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Think about it, three kings against one. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar, that is in Jedi. Then Jehoshaphat, his response was very normal. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And often when we're overwhelmed, the emotion that flows out of that is fear. That's not uncommon. Fear that paralyzes us. Fear that steals our joy. So Jehoshaphat was afraid. And, and, but here's a good thing. And set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heavens? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? He's recalling to God the very covenant that God gave to Abraham. And verse uh, 8, he says, And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, of whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? And, and this verse right now, if you're going to underline anything in your Bible, underline this. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. And this is where so many of us are living right now. We are powerless against this great horde. What is the great horde in your life? Where is it that you feel like you just can't breathe? You just can't get out of that burden. That great horde is the very thing that God is going to use to remind you of who he is and to help you to see that he is not only able, but is willing to get you out of that predicament. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Mind you, Jehoshaphat, when he feared the news of the enemy, you have to understand some of it was a natural fear because he had been attacked by the enemy, but there's also some thought that he had this, Jehoshaphat was coming out of a season when he had made an alliance with Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel and one of the most wicked kings of Israel. And Jehoshaphat was a godly man, but for a very brief window of time, he made an alliance with Ahab and he felt bad about it. He had repented of it. And so here in chapter 20, now he feels at a certain level that maybe God is punishing him. So maybe some of his fear was, God, maybe I deserve this. Will God 
listen to me because of what has happened before is this part of the punishment. And maybe it was just fear because the enemy was there, but whatever the cause of his fear, he did the right thing, which is he brought his fear to God. This is what we've been studying all along in those seven weeks leading up to this week eight of when we have a problem, it's, the problem isn't our negative emotion, it's what we do with our negative emotion that matters. And so here's Jehoshaphat, he comes to the Lord and he reminds God of who God is and he reminds God of God's promises, of his covenant. And he lays out the line and he says, we are powerless against this great horde. He recognizes his weakness and he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so in verse 13, it says, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattathiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. Imagine God saying that to you about your great horde tonight, your joblessness, your house going on, on foreclosure, your, your, your family falling apart, whatever it is that is your, the squirrels in your attic. What is the scroll in your attic? And, and the Spirit, God says to them through this prophet, listen all Judah, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord and the Levites of the Kohathites and the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. I'll stop reading right here and give you just some thoughts here, four ideas about the state of feeling overwhelmed. If you're overwhelmed, here's, here's the first. When I feel overwhelmed, it's because I'm faced with more than I can handle. Now, I know we grew up being told that God will never give us more than we can handle. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says that, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, I believe, that talks about the temptations that God will give us, and he'll never give us more than we can handle. But how many Christians have we not in our life been in seasons in our life where we just feel like, man, that is too much. The verse says, therefore, let anyone thinks, who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall, 1 Corinthians 10. And then verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way to escape. Now, that might be speaking about temptation as in like the, the, the bent to sin, but however form, whether it's a trial or a temptation, the reality is that we felt, I felt in my life that there have been seasons where I have been given more than I can handle. I know you've been there too. And, and so when I feel overwhelmed, usually it's a natural response to feeling like you've got more on your plate than you can handle. When you're in that place, so let's just sort of analyze that feeling for a minute. Uh, your problems or my problems when I'm in that space are bigger than my abilities. You have been in a place where you have been given a problem and you sh sh can't fix it. Again, I go back to so many people that are talking about being thrown out of their homes and not having enough money to pay bills. And, and it's like, you just, you just can't do it. There's need and there's what I can do. And it two just won't click. You know, you can apply that to any, I can tell you my abilities when it pertains to catching squirrels is zilch. And so my problems are bigger than my abilities. That's a problem that, that w whether I'm given trials more than I can handle or not, when I'm focused on what I can do, I look at that equation and say, yeah, I'm overwhelmed because my problems are bigger than what I can do, my abilities to handle it. But also in that state, my enemies are stronger than my allies. 
You ever been in that place where it just feels like the world is against you? And you look at your friends and you've got one or two on this side and enemies and you've got like 15 to 20 on that side. And you're like, it just doesn't add up and you end up feeling overwhelmed. Let's just lean into this for a minute. Or here's another aspect of feeling overwhelmed. Your emotions are heavier than you can process. I wrote Fractured Faith recently and it talks about that very theme of walking through a season in life, this dark night of the soul where your emotions are bigger than you can even process. I talk regularly with godly people. I got an email today from a godly woman I love and respect, and, and I still love and respect her. And she says, I'm in the season. I just, it feels like I just, my emotions are heavy and big and it's overwhelming. My emotions are heavier than I can process and my need is bigger than what I can provide. And so, so that is when I feel overwhelmed, it's because I'm faced with more than I can handle. I mean, reality is that Jehoshaphat was facing an enemy that honestly he couldn't take on. In his own ability, he could not take him on. And so, you know, I think we need to be careful. We say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. That can sound very cheesy and Christianese. And I'm not sure that's true because if we're looking at self to handle it, we're gonna come up empty. And so the solution to our problem is never going to be, well, I need to get better at dealing with this problem because that's not the answer that, that we see play out in this story. And so here's another big idea. When I feel overwhelmed, it's natural to experience negative emotions. I mean, I've never, I've, I've never critiqued negative emotions in the study. I think they're quite human. The minute Adam and Eve chose the fruit over God, we entered this broken world that is fraught with negative emotions. We've, early in the study, it seems like every week we went back to Genesis chapter three and saw how jealousy and, and shame and grief and guilt grew out of the Garden of Eden in a situation where Adam and Eve were, had chosen rebellion against God. They chose self against God. And because of that, all of the things, the hatred, the anger, Adam, Adam and Eve had a kid, Cain and Abel, and the first murder right after, one generation into it. Think about it. This is horrible. And it all flows out of this broken state. So, so negative emotions are there. The issue isn't, it's expected that we're going to have them. It, so, so when you read the story and you see that Jehoshaphat was faced with three enemies, it is natural to feel, to feel fear. And so think about yourself. Like you might feel negative emotions when you're feeling overwhelmed, don't be so hard on yourself. I'm the hardest critic of myself. I, I've told this again and again. I, I'm too hard on myself. People will tell me that again and again. And, and don't be so hard on yourself. If you feel afraid, it might be because you're in a fearful situation. Fear, the problem with fear is that it can lead to paralysis. By the way, you might need to go back and listen to the teaching on fear. We're gonna get to, in a minute, the solution. But, but for a minute, I want us to live in the space where it's like, okay, if you stay under the weight or if you expect yourself to resolve the weight, yeah, you're gonna feel fear. That's one of the most obvious emotions. There are other negative emotions. Anger is our way of establishing control. You ever feel overwhelmed? And uh, I mean, I, I hate to admit it so openly, but like I, I literally have these illustrations from my own, own life every single day. You have so many, you know, you, you're sort of on full. Like you, you've ever been on full in your life? Like you just cannot take one more problem. I was in that space yesterday as everything's been playing out, trying to be godly, trying to do the right thing. I come home and I've got this park across the street and, and cars come to park to watch their kids and they literally park like short of my driveway and it drives me crazy. If you tell me like you could live on a desert island by yourself, I would welcome that. I do not like this crowd. And I'm telling you, it's like the tipping point. This guy pulls up. 
And I'd say to him, knock on his door, excuse me, sir, do you mind moving your car to the other side? And we had short of an altercation. Now I'm in front of my house and I'm like, what is happening? I end up calling the police to try to talk to him to say like, what is happening? And I'm like, what, what, wait, wait, what, what? Anger is our way of trying to establish control. We get angry and we think that we can do something about a situation that's out of our control. We've done a teaching on anger. Anger, you're never angry about the thing that you're angry about. There's always something underneath that thing. We've got to study that. We've got to ask God, God, what's happening here? Impatience is a fruit of lack of margin. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because you've got so much to do. You've got the kids and the husband and the relatives and the summer plans and the work job stuff and the church stuff. And, and I'm telling you, impatience, and, which ultimately leads to anger and irritability and fear, flows out of a lack of margin. We did a teaching on that. I, I did a podcast recently on time control. Maybe it wasn't a teaching here, but it was a podcast. We talked about margin. It is essential for us to fight for time so that we can breathe and think. And then when you feel overwhelmed, you think about the negative emotions. I'm just listing a few, fear, anger, impatience. Here's another one, discouragement sets in when you allow, so Jehoshaphat is in a place of fear. He doesn't get angry, on the contrary, he does the right thing, but fear, impatience, anger, but really discouragement is the fruit of all of that. It sets in, and here it is, and the temptation is to quit. If you're overwhelmed, it is when I'm overwhelmed that the response is, well, I, I need to sell my house and move. Why? Because I want to quit. Why? Because it's an easier solution than dealing with the problem. Why? Because I can't see a way out of my own problem. I'm telling you as honestly as I can, these are common emotions that every man and woman of God, every human faces, but even men and women of God who's seeking to do God's will can experience. You say, well, we don't want to live there. We don't want to stay there. Absolutely, you're right. And so here's a third big idea. So the first couple to review, when I feel overwhelmed, it's because I'm faced with more than I can handle. And by the way, that is not accidental. When I feel overwhelmed, it's natural to experience negative emotions, but we're not called to the natural state of affairs, right? And so here's a third big idea. When I feel overwhelmed, it's important to stop and diagnose the reason why. Every single negative emotions, we've talked about that. Our negative emotion is not the problem. It's what's underneath it that's the problem. And so when you feel overwhelmed, you've got to stop. So here's some questions to ask in that state. Right now, I feel overwhelmed about some things in my life. You feel overwhelmed about some things in your life. You've got to stop and ask this. Number one, have I taken on more than God has asked me to take on? This is a fair question. And, and, and the answer might be no, but, but you need to ask it. Have I taken on more than God has asked me to take on? Now, there are seasons where things get a little heavier, but honestly, often the guilty party is us. We're doing things that God never asked us to do. He might've asked us to do one thing, be a good wife, be a mother, and now we've got 18 things. You didn't have to say yes to volunteering to that thing that's sucking the life out of you. That wasn't from God, that was you trying to be a people pleaser, you, you understand? And, and so I think it's important now. Now, you might not be able to change it right away. You might have to work through getting to let it go, but you need to understand why are you overwhelmed? Are you taking on more than God has asked you to? That's a question you need to ask him. I might not be able to answer that, but, but it's a fair question. Here's a second question when you're looking at the why. Why am I overwhelmed? Am I, I think this question is probably where the money's at. Am I expecting an outcome that God does not expect for me. 
you need to write these questions down. These are, I, I was preparing for this and I thought, I can't believe I wrote these because they were so good. I felt they were good for me. Am I expecting an outcome that God does not expect for me? See, we come to the equation and we have a list of what we want as an outcome. I want all my mice dead. I want all the squirrels out. I mean, like that's a human outcome, but, but maybe that's not the outcome that God has. Maybe God's outcome for me is to live in peace despite the mice in the attic. Okay, I'm not saying I'm going to leave the mice in the attic. I'm just saying, are we sure about the outcome? Maybe the outcome isn't for you to get rich. Maybe the outcome is not for you to own a house yet. Maybe the outcome is not for you to get married. I don't know what God's outcome in your life is, but have we come to the equation as part of our disappointment that we're expecting an outcome that God does not expect for me? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it the same thing God wants to achieve in your life? Maybe he's just looking for you to be faithful, persevering, joyful in tribulation, whereas you're looking to get out of tribulation. The time is coming when we will be out of tribulation. Listen, we're only living on this earth 70, 80, 90 years, 100 at best. I don't even want to last till 100, but at best you'll live till 100. We will eventually get the outcome that deep down we want, which is to be free of problems. But until then, perhaps the goal that God has for us is simply to shine his light in the midst of our difficult circumstances. What am I trying to achieve? Is it the same thing God wants to achieve in me? What reputation am I trying to maintain? Am I trying to maintain a certain stand, status, a certain image, a certain picture of my life? Is pride behind my negative reaction? I don't want my image to be marred by these problems in my life. Look, there's problems that come. Be honest about it. Be honest about where you're at, your failures, because it's there. People see it. Is pride part of your negative is behind your negative reaction? Okay, so have I taken on more than God has asked me to? Am I expecting an outcome that God does not expect for me? And here's the third diagnostic question. Is what I'm facing simply opposition because I'm exactly where I need to be? Jehoshaphat was exactly where he needed to be. The opposition that came in his life was not an accident. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't unbeknownst to God. It wasn't because he had made a mistake to land there. He was exactly where he was meant to be. You and I right now are exactly where God meant us to be. Even if we send our way to this place, do you understand that every part of our life is under the sovereign control of what God's will and plan for us? And so that we can't be like, just assume that everything negative we're going through is accidental because some of this opposition that we're facing, some of this feeling of being overwhelmed is not an error. It's not a plan B. It's not a mistake. It's not a, a, a like, oh my gosh, there's a virus in this computer. No, it is the plan. And perhaps this very opposition you and I are feeling is part of what God wants us to learn and to be and to grow and to change. And so that's a convicting question. And that's a liberating question, isn't it? Perhaps what I'm facing is simply opposition because I'm exactly where I need to be. And I'm not saying what the outcome is. I don't know what the outcome will be. I've thought so much about the Hope Ranch. And if you have followed our ministry, you've seen how I had this dream a year ago to start a retreat center. We bought this place. Everything looked like it was going a-okay till Christmas. And then things started turning sour with the neighbors. And long story short, we ended up getting to the place where we had to sell it. And by God's grace, we've recouped every dollar that we've put in and made a profit. These are all blessings. But still, the dream was crushed. And you think about that and you go, man, what happened there? Perhaps we're exactly where God wants us to be. Perhaps this is the place of 
broken dreams and disappointments that we are invited to stand and say, you know what, yeah, maybe I am a little overwhelmed. Maybe this wasn't the outcome that I thought, but in it, are we able to experience joy? Are we able to depend on God? Which brings us to the last point, which I think is the crux of this story of Jehoshaphat. He gets there a lot faster than most of us do, which is this, when I feel overwhelmed, I must embrace a vertical response to what feels like a horizontal battle. When I feel overwhelmed, I have to embrace a vertical response to what feels like a horizontal battle. Every battle you and I are facing right now feels horizontal. It feels like people are against us. It feels like the enemies defeated us. It feels like it's a human battle. But listen, even the mice are under the control of God's sovereign rule. And there's a vertical response that has to grow out of it. And so listen, I come to you, I'm aware of the ways that I failed this week. The good news of the gospel is what I wrote in the Power Minutes today. But God, who is rich in mercy, we're invited to relook at our life and to reevaluate these responses of fear, of paralysis, of disappointment, of wanting to quit, all these things that put us just like the world because we're in the flesh. And yet God invites us to a different way of doing things. And Jehoshaphat exemplifies it you you go what is the way that Jehoshaphat took well this the only right step when I feel like I have too much on my plate is to stop and do less this is huge I talked about it in one of the previous teachings but it is so counterintuitive when we feel overwhelmed we think we need to work harder faster more better we think if we just hire enough help if we just do it a little wake up a little bit earlier go to bed a little bit later the proverb says that it's unwise for us to get up earlier and to go to bed later that is not what god has invited us to the key is to stop and do less but we've got to do the less that is the right thing which to jehoshaphat he exemplifies it he stops but he even stops eating he fasts and he prays. So instead of going to strengthen his army in front of, instead of working on strategy, instead of lining up the people, he stops, gathers the people, and they have a prayer meeting. They do less, but they tune in more. That's the only right step. We've got to stop this maddening addiction to doing, and we've got to listen and lean in. So the only right step is to stop and do less, and the only right posture when I feel weighed down with the cares of this world is the posture of dependence. As you say, what is that posture? What's the posture of being prostrate on our faces, bowed on our knees, waiting on the Lord? There's such an honesty in Jehoshaphat's word, words. He comes to, to the Lord and he says, we are powerless against this great horde. We, we can't get stronger. It's, this isn't even about insecurity. This is about the reality that I don't have what it takes to get out of this mess. But he immediately stops and says, but he, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is total dependence. This is utter dependence on the Lord. God, if you don't show up, I'm done. The only right strategy when I'm feeling overwhelmed is to reorder my priorities. Surrender the outcome to God. Stop trying to control the outcome. Let, let him decide. Jehoshaphat didn't know how the thing would play out. Surrender the outcome to God and then stand still and see what God will do. Exodus 14, 14, remember when the people of Israel were faced with the Red Sea, that was exactly what they were invited to. And this has became for the life of the people of Israel a theme. Every time they were against the great horde, God would invite them to stand still and see the salvation that only God could do. But there was another element and it was the element of praise. I wanna read a little bit more of this story. 
I stopped at verse 19 and verse 20. It says, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And so many of our battles take place in the wilderness, don't they? I just finished a study called Through the Desert that you guys will be able to, to hopefully watch next February. And, 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 and there's so much good that happens in the wilderness. And the invitation of God for us to see his power and his might in the wilderness is overwhelming. It says, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel of the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in his holy attire. As they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. They had seen, been reminded of who God is, of what God could do. They had heard God and now their overwhelming response was thanks. And when they had, be and when they, verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. They did nothing. It was God who did everything. It says, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. That is a supernatural outcome. Jehoshaphat couldn't have even imagined this outcome. But the moment that he let go of the outcome and surrendered his worry and his Anxieties to God, God was able to step in and do what only God could do. So are you in a place where you're heavy and overwhelmed? Remember the invitation of Jesus, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Listen, our rest is in Christ and Christ alone. If you're in that place today, you feel like you've been given more than you can handle. The truth is you might have been given more than you can handle and your negative emotions might be a natural outflow of that but you've got to stop and ask why are you expecting what god has not expected for you are you are you taking on more than god wants you to do are you simply living through the spiritual realities of opposition and god is waiting to show himself mighty on your behalf and if you're in that place are you willing to humble yourself to show your dependence on god by saying god this i'm going to respond with this vertically i know that the battle looks horizontal but i'm going to look to you vertically and as you do so you start singing praise to god as an expression of your faith in god and when you do that you will see the work of god overcome the enemy of God. And when that happens, your joy overflows. You can read later the rest of the story for yourself, but there's an emphasis on joy when you get to, to verse 27. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. That joy is what God has promised to give us as we yield to him those things, those great hordes in our life that make us feel overwhelmed. Are you willing to do that today? The easiest sign to tell is whether you can walk out of this study the song of praise that is God even before you see the result of it. The song of praise preceded the outcome of victory. Are you willing to by faith praise God? God, whatever you have coming, you are the one who's good. You're the one who can defeat the enemy. God, I trust you. I bow my knee to you. God, mice can stay in my roof. Mice can go. That is not the source of my joy. My joy is in the Lord. 
Are we willing, you and I, to do that? Are we willing to turn a new page and to offer him a sacrifice of praise, knowing that he never lets us down? He, he is faithful to the end. He's our promise maker and our promise keeper.